welcome to the She Talks Health Podcast, your source for information about all things women's hormonal health. I'm your host, Sophie Shepard. I'm the founder of She Talks Health and the co-creator of the 12-week Empower Her group gut and hormone program. I'm a certified functional health coach and a holistic menstrual health educator. This podcast was created to give you clarity about how to take control over your hormonal health using safer, natural options. I created this podcast to cover the widespread and complex health issues plaguing women today. From the rise of infertility to the epidemically high numbers of women with autoimmune disease to menstrual cycle problems, digestive issues, anxiety, weight gain, food sensitivities, mental, emotional, and energetic imbalances, and so much more. If there's a topic that you need answered, I encourage you to write us at podcast at shetalkshealth.com and we will try our absolute best to cover that subject. My greatest mission in life is to help women radically change their health and their lives by teaching them how they can use their hormones as their superpowers. So with that in mind, I hope you enjoy today's episode. As always, ladies, this podcast and the information being provided to you is for educational and informational purposes only, and it should not be taken as medical advice. It is not intended to treat or cure any specific illness, and it is not to replace the guidance provided by your own medical practitioner. This information is to be used at your own risk based on your own judgment. And if you suspect you have a medical problem, we urge you to take appropriate action by seeking medical attention. Hey, 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 Sophie Shepard here, founder and CEO of She Talks Health and this podcast. And I'm really excited for today because we surprisingly have not talked about mold on this podcast, even though 85%, I would say, of my clients have mold illness or mycotoxin illness. And I couldn't think of a better person to bring on and jam with me on this amazing topic. But my friend, Terea, who is an expert coach, okay, an expert coach. She's a wilderness retreat leader. She's a former professional pilot, which I learned in a training that we were in together. I was like, wait, what? Who are you? How many lives have you had? Um, She's also- many lives. She's also an FDNP like me, and she has been for nine years, which is incredible. Yeah. And, it's mean, amazing. It's, it's, you are amazing. It's so amazing. Oh, and um, thanks. Yeah, just welcome to the show. I'm so happy you're here. And I can't wait to talk about this really important topic with you. Thanks, Sophie. I'm excited to be here. And I love jamming about nitty gritty details. So we can get into some of those. And I love jamming about just about anything. So as you know, I've got a wide variety of experience in my past. And I think part of that experience really helps me bring a lot of that collective awareness to a client when I'm looking at their case. Because as you know, it's not just about the symptoms. It's about everything else that's going on for that person. It's about where they live. It's about where they work. It's about their relationships. It's about all of that. And so being able to really have that 30,000 foot view again, with the aircraft reference, but that 30,000 foot view really gives me that ability to help make the connections and connect the dots for people and get them solutions, get them feeling better, faster than ever before. So yeah. Incredible. Uh, Yeah. I have learned so much from you and just have valued our friendship so much since meeting you only what, like six months ago or something like this. No. Yeah. 
I just can tell you're such an incredible practitioner and you know a ton about mold um, and mycotoxin illness. And um, you've taught me a few things about it and its relationship to Lyme disease and the co-infections. Yeah. Like I'm just really pumped to, to talk about this and hopefully we get to help a lot of people because like I said, gosh, I think 85% of my clients end up testing positive for mold. And so let's actually start with just like what mold is. <laughs> like one thing that I hear a lot, which is really tough, and I'm hoping this podcast helps people understand how serious it is, is that people think mold is just something that you might see like some mildew and then like you can just wipe it away <laughs> with like Windex or something and that it wouldn't be possible to cause devastating consequences. And we know the truth. We know how devastating mold can be for some people. And if we just maybe are aware of it, we can have some good practices. So what how would you define what mold is? And what is mold? Well, technically, mold is a fungus. It's a unicellular fungus. Yeast is also uh, considered a fungus. So they're kind of of the same category. And mold will grow on certain types of mediums or certain types of environments. So if you think about fungus in the forest, right, we think, oh, decomposing wood and this mushroom comes up, right? And there's spores and the same kind of thing. But unfortunately, what can happen is it can happen in buildings and it can happen in cars and it can happen in campers and it can happen in tents and, you know, those kinds of things. And mold doesn't necessarily have to be seen to have a toxic effect because what will happen is mold will give off spores. That's how it reproduces. And inside of those spores are things called mycotoxins. So they're smaller compounds that are inside of the spores. Oftentimes, this shows up in dust, and those mycotoxins can get into the body and kind of wreak havoc in some cases. Not all mycotoxins are that severe. Not all of them are neurotoxic. Some of them are. Some of them are nephrotoxic, right? So they've got different actions upon the body. But it's really important for people who are listening, if you have tried the diet, the lifestyle stuff, the rest, the exercise, you've done some protocols, you've tried to like work on, work on your gut, work on your hormones, yet there's still stuff there. Then I always talk about, okay, now it's time to look under different rocks. It's kind of like the little kid looking underneath the rocks to find like, ooh, what cool creepy crawly, crawly things are under the rocks. Yeah. We need to start looking for deeper hidden stuff that may or may not be relatively easily seen. And with mycotoxins, this can be an exposure that happened several years ago in a different building, right? So it's really important to just kind of pay attention also to that timeline. We were talking about that 30,000 foot view, that yeah. timeline. So when Sophie and I ask you guys thousands of questions about your personal history, right? That is us establishing that timeline so that we can understand like, oh, hey, we moved to this new city and then all of a sudden the wheels came off and I started to feel really crappy. That to me triggers these thoughts of like, oh, interesting. Did you change homes? Probably, yes. Did you change work buildings? Maybe, you know, and really start to inquire like what was going on there. So that's kind of in a nutshell, what is mold and why do we need to care? Absolutely. And I had just to give you guys a um, kind of staggering story about the one part you just talked about where it can be from a prior home that you're not even living in now. I had my very first, yeah, she was my very first mold case like two years ago. And 
she had seen black molds on her kids' blankets when they were babies mm-hmm. and they were 18 now. And mm-hmm. that was, I mean, and maybe there was, you know, like you can't always see molds. So it could have been hidden, you know, behind a, bo- a board or something in the house. And all of her stuff had started about 15 to 18 years prior. So the timeline yeah. turned out as well. And it was pretty wild to see how much it could impact someone almost 20 years later when, you know, you wouldn't think much about it. Just throw out the throw out the uh, blanket, right? <laughs> you wouldn't think anything, but it really impacted yeah. her and it impacted her kids. And the one that she did have was a neurotoxin. So it was um, impacting her kids' neurodevelopment, impacting her mood, her anxiety, her depression. So it was just like a huge find. And it, you know, can really change someone's life when you are able to identify it. Um, and so this is where we want to empower you all to be able to figure this out for yourself too. There's a lot of things you can do on your own to see yep. what's going on. And Trey, how would you let someone know maybe like how they could be aware of mold if they can't quite see it? Because we could maybe see water damage to a building, but how would sure. someone maybe start to suspect that they had a mold? Is there certain symptoms you would look out for? Are there certain smells? Like what would you tell somebody? Most of the time, if somebody's been in a mold environment for a long, long period of time, that can lead to something called uh, chronic inflammatory response syndrome or SIRS. And basically, that just means that their body's inflamed all the time. So you start to see overreaction to foods. You start to see hives come out. You start to see really low suppressed immune markers. And it can, mold can manifest in somebody's body in various different ways. But your question is a really good one. And you kind of mentioned it, water damage building. That is the key, right? So if you start to consider the buildings in which you are in a majority period of the day, right? So homework, just really look at those two places and consider the history of the building. Has there been water damage? Do you suspect there's water damage? Do you see water stains in the ceiling tiles, right? That, right? That's That's past water damage. Do you see you know, mold that is growing on the windowsills and then you clean it up and it comes right back. Mm-hmm. You know, the, those are the kinds of things that you want to start looking for because if that's the case, there could be mold in the house or mold in the school. A lot of my clients who have massive mold syndrome or, or mold illness work in school environments and schools are notorious for being not very well maintained, having water events, not having it totally remediated in the way that it should, and the mold starts to grow. And then these clients get very, very sick from being in that environment quite often. So, you know, really being on the lookout for what is your environment and how is it correlating with how you feel? And like I said before, one clue is often I've worked with Sophie, we've done the gut rebalancing, we've done the hormone rebalancing, but I still don't quite feel all that great. The other thing that I tell my clients to really pay attention to is pay attention to when you travel. Mm-hmm. When you, you travel and you're you out of the building and now you're feeling better, that's a clue that there's something up with the building. Oftentimes, people with mold illness will have chemical sensitivity. They'll be very sensitive to smells and scents. They're very sensitive to the smell of mold and mildew. <laughs> Big surprise. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or the other way around, however your brain wants to have that come out. But yeah, yeah, mold and mildew, and they're really susceptible to those smells. So there's they're the ones that are like, ooh, funky towel, like, uh, right? And so that's a sign for me, like if you're really sensitive to those things, 
that is te- that's your body telling you there's something in your environment that's dangerous mm-hmm. right and so we'll get into some of the the limbic danger response and cell danger response stuff later but that is what i would really be on the lookout and if that's the case there are things you can do on your own i would always suggest somebody run an ermi test yeah which is available about the labs for the building yep the ermi test is environmental relative mold index ERMI. And it's a simple test that you can do. All you do is collect dust, right? Little cloth, collect the dust around the house. And they will actually test that dust for DNA and for the presence of certain species of mold. And if you get a score that is at a certain level that tells us that that building is unsafe, Mm -hmm. then it's time to circle the wagons and engage some help. Either a building biologist can help you in this case, or or a practitioner like myself or Sophie can help you in this case, but you are going to want to find the source of this mold because I guess the analogy that I give people is the bathtub, right? Yeah. With a partially clogged drain and the faucet is stuck on full open. Mm-hmm. So now you've got this bathtub that's filling up. It's going to threaten to overflow or in some cases with SIRS, it has overflowed and is overflowing. And because these mycotoxins start to work on our biochemical pathways in the body so that our drainage and detox pathways are inefficient, meaning they're partially clogged, right? That bathtub is going to fill up, fill up, fill up, fill up. You can do all the work you want to open up those drainage pathways and do detoxes and do binders and do all these things. But if you don't address that faucet that is stuck on full on, you are never going to get out of that situation right? It's a big waste of time and money unless you address that faucet. So finding the root cause, we talk about root cause a lot in in our line of work, right? Finding the root cause in the building in this case is just as important as finding the root cause in the human. Yeah. And I think that can be kind of overwhelming for many people with mold illness, especially because depending on the type of illness that they're experiencing or how the mold is expressing, what type of mold and what, how it's impacting them, it can impact the brain in really serious ways. But I mean, I'm sure you've seen this too. Like I've had people where I've been very clear that they have to get their house taken care of, remediated, or, you know, all the stuff that are involved there. And we can talk about that in a second. And I've had people who take care of it right away and they feel better so fast right? Because we just do one three-month mold detox program once the house is clear. Or I've had people who we test the house and it's clear. We don't know where the mold exposure came from, but it's not in their current house. So we just run the the protocol and they feel better. And I've had people who have dragged their feet uh, for whatever reason, because it is expensive or they're just afraid of it or don't believe in it. And then they don't get better. And so it's like the single biggest thing I I believe that can really make or break whether or not, you know, you get better once you have um, mycotoxins in in the body dealing with the house. And so Ermi is a great option. I know there's also one called immunolytics. That's like better if you have like a really small space or something like, you know, an apartment or something, it's like $33, but Ermi is really the state of the art on the market. Yeah. It's like 125 or 140 or something like that per floor. Yeah, And I usually tell my clients, you know, just run one, like go collect dust from the entire house. We we just need an oh. indicator of yes or no. Do we need to deal with this house or not? And then from yeah. there, you can <laughs> figure out the better testing techniques. Yeah. But the thing that you were saying about really focusing in on the home and the home remediation, I think 
This is one of the things that makes my job a little bit more difficult because sometimes I'm delivering some news to people that it's like, okay. And I usually start with how much do you love your home? Yeah. Right. If you don't love your home, let's talk about moving, Yeah. which in itself, it's like you're uprooting, you're doing all of these things. You're having to think about this thing. And then if they love their home, then the question is, okay, now we have to understand what is it going to cost to remediate it so it's a safe home for you to be in Mm -hmm. now into into the future? And, you know, how can that be financed? And this is really where I get a building biologist involved in the process, right? And circle the wagons and build a team of people because normal home inspectors for real estate transactions and, you know, construction and that kind of thing, they're not necessarily trained in mold inspections for people who are susceptible or people who are chronically ill. Yes. And so it takes a bit of a trained eye to really know how to test, what's the right kind of testing, how to detect what's going on so that you can get these recommendations of, well, how much drywall are we pulling out and replacing? How much are we going down to bare studs? So it depends on the situation of what's happening, but that's usually where I start. Absolutely. And, and it's a process. And once you find that out, that's a big thing to to kind of take take into advisement into action on. But but what we do mm-hmm. see is when we're able to address it either by moving or remediating, if that's what needs to happen, people really get so much better. Um, and then they can go on to, to be very healthy and happy, <laughs> which we like. And just to be clear, not all remediation is a big whopping 75 grand project. Let's just be really clear on that. Because mm-hmm. if it's a new, say it's a new water damage, that's relatively easy to fix. If yeah. it's something that's been there for three decades and it's now, you know, seeped into the crawl space and done all this other stuff, then you're probably talking more remediation. So that's why I say it's really important to get somebody involved who's a building biologist to help you assess the true nature of the damage. And totally transparent, there are people out there who will take advantage of people in this situation. Mm -hmm. And that's unfortunate. And it drives me bonkers that that happens. But there are people that are purporting themselves to be building biologists just to charge somebody 15 grand in testing on a home. And that makes me furious because I know it doesn't have to cost that much. Insane. It's really insane. There is one building biologist that you do recommend. Is isn't there someone you like? There? There's two now. So there's Martine Davis. So she's um airinspector.com or air inspectors. We'll get the right link into the show notes. And then there's Rachel Franklin of Franklin Healthy Homes. Rachel was my client and she was my very first mold client. She discovered mold in her home. They remediated. She got better. They decided to move and they discovered mold in their second home. So she, through that process, right, learned so much about home remediation. And she also had a background in architecture. So she put herself through building biology school and now she's certified building biologist and she helps other people. And it's an amazing story. So I recommend both of them. Both can work with anybody across the United States. It doesn't have to be a local situation. And what's great about both Martine and Rachel is that they will listen to your personal situation and help you understand like what's important to you and what's not important to you. Like that question of like, you know, how important is it to have this particular home or they'll work with you to figure that out. Yeah, we'll definitely have to get both of their contact stuff into the show notes for people. So let's move into there's really 
two other topics that we want to talk about. One is say you remediated or it wasn't in your home to begin with and you are personally, your body has mold exposure and you're trying to do some self-healing protocols. Where do people start? I usually do an oat mycotoxin to see what what's going on mm-hmm. and what's the process going to be. But then from there, it's usually some supplements and some lifestyle tweaks. And maybe we can talk through some top ideas for people who might want to um, learn more about how to go through a self-healing protocol. Yeah, great question. So I do like to have data. Yeah, I'm very (laughs) data driven. So if I suspect mold that's happening to someone or with somebody, I want to understand, you know, what's the extent of the mycotoxins that are stored in the body? What's the extent of the mold that is contributing to making the detox pathways inefficient? So I like the organic acids test that gives us a lot of information on drainage pathways, detox pathways, as well as some yeast markers in the environment. That really helps me sometimes to notice whether or not somebody is actually in physically an environment that has mold in it presently, which is great. It's kind of another indicator of like something that we suspect now we've got, you know, solid evidence that we have it. And then the mycotoxin toxin screen, of course, uh, is really great because then you can start to see which mycotoxins are built up a lot in the body. That changes my protocol somewhat based off of which mycotoxin, because we know now not all binders are created equal. Maybe mm-hmm. 10 years ago, it was like, take some activated charcoal, you'll be fine. Yeah, now we know we can Wait. be much more specific about the protocol. Now we can be a lot more specific. So understanding which mycotoxins are present is huge. But before any of that starts, usually I work with my clients to really have them start focusing on opening up the drainage pathways. So that's going to be working on sweating. That's going to be liver support. That's going to be gut support and motility support. Constipation is the worst thing for somebody who's got mycotoxins. And guess what? Mycotoxins like to shut down motility, those kinds of things. So I really focus on that for a good couple of weeks before I ever, quote unquote, go after the mold or anything else. Now, last step for me is dealing with colonization. So not a lot of people do this in their protocols for mold. Mm -hmm. But if somebody is living in a moldy environment for a period of time, that fungus gives off spores, right? Guess what? We breathe them. They get into our sinuses. They get into our lungs. And now I know this is really, really EBGB. Like, no, ew. No, I know. I have like, but we end up getting colonized with the same molds that were in the environments so and now it's in our sinuses. So even though we do all of that like preparatory work and then the binder work and the mold protocol, this, that, and the other, if we're not following it up as the last step of going after the yeast that's colonized, then we can reinfect ourselves, which Mm -hmm. is just kind of a pain in the butt. So I usually always finish it up with something like that. And if somebody has particular sinus symptoms, like I did when I was in a moldy environment, I had a lot of post-nasal drip going on, congestion. Like I would wake up in the morning and it'd be like 10 Kleenexes later. And I was like, okay, well, you know, Amazon subscribe and save, right? That's how I solve it. <laughs> I love it. That's the solution. Amazon subscribe and save. I need some more tissue. Right? Like, oh, I'm just going to go through more Kleenex. And then finally, you know, I had a, a fellow practitioner that was just like, huh, I think you might have sinus colonization from your mold exposure. I was like, huh, okay. So then I might do a nasal swab, for example, 
and test what's going on in the sinuses and then treat the sinuses in that way. So that might be a follow-on type protocol, but that's typically, you know, in a nutshell, those are the kinds of things that I'm working on with a client who's been dealing with mold. Yeah, that's so interesting because I'm just thinking about my husband. He, um, which is so weird to say, you guys, because we got married like two weeks ago. <laughs> like, husband, what's this person? Um, but my husband um, and I lived in an apartment in this really old apartment in New York City, and I know there was mold in there. I mean, I just know, but I didn't. I didn't know that what mold was until like I basically learned through that client I mentioned two years ago about mold. So mm-hmm. when we were living there, which was three years ago. I didn't know what I just thought, oh, you know, this apartment's really old. It's really hard to clean. But now in retrospect, I'm like, oh, we definitely had mold. And I don't think that I was susceptible because I've tested and I, I don't have any mold illness in my body. But I believe he was because he always has sinus stuff. And actually just getting out of the environment was enough. He used to have these sinus infections that were like knockout for two weeks. I mean, and he was a performer. So if he had that, he had to take you know, a Z-pack. He had to like fix you know, mm-hmm. pots like crazy. But as soon as we got out of that environment, it was gone. And now what I know by mold, I'm like, okay, when are we taking the mic? <laughs> I want to see if he's still got something going on up there that needs to be cleaned out. But it's kind of weird to think retrospectively how many antibiotics he's been on or how many like science infections he's had. And it was most likely from mold in that house. Cause I'm now what I know, I know there was mold in there. <laughs> yeah. Not all sinus infections are bacteria. Right, They can absolutely be fungal overgrowth and that's causing the exact same symptoms as having bacteria that's in the sinuses and causing that infection. So a lot of people are exactly what you just described with your husband, which is chronic sinus infections and they just feel susceptible to these sinus infections all the time. Yet when they start to look at the buildings that they're in, then they start to recognize, oh, okay, this could be a, a source of mold for me. Yeah, an environmental toxin. Um, Well, Mm -hmm. that's a great overview. And, you know, we won't really give specific supplements and stuff on this podcast because that's really something you need to be doing with your practitioner. But I do know that Drea has an incredible self-paced program that she is building out to give you guys some more information. So we'll for sure put that in the show notes. And I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to say about it. Um, and what it all includes yeah. to be very, very valuable resource. For sure. Them. So I call it the deep detox program because we're going deep and we're trying to figure out all the things, but you're going to get an education on mold and mycotoxins and how to remediate a building. What do you do with your belongings? There's a lot of misinformation there with what to do with your belongings. There's one camp that says you have to throw away everything. Doesn't necessarily need to be the case. So you get a lot of that education. And if you are looking to do some of this testing to see if that's something that's going on for you, you can absolutely opt in to do that testing. And then I'll give you customized, personalized, you know, lab report analysis as well as protocol and work with you through that whole process. Incredible. Oh, I can't yeah. wait for people to have access to that. So definitely look for that in the show notes. And then the last aspect of mold illness um, that we really wanted to kind of talk through was this cell danger response and limbic system craziness that can happen because I think people might be thinking, oh, well, I might be able to have a sinus infection and I'll get constipated listening to us talk. But there is a Mm -hmm. much deeper level uh, of things that can go on in the limbic system. Can you kind of tell us more about the limbic system and how it's related to um, sears and and mold illness and mycotoxins? Yeah. So I'll answer your question by talking about cell danger response first. Yeah, perfect. So um, the, the cells in the mitochondria, right, have a 
molecule signaling system. That's how everything operates. It's pretty magical. And I'm not going to give you a biochemistry lesson right now. But what I will say yeah. is that <laughs> normally, that may be another podcast episode for the biochem <laughs> lesson. Um, normally, our cells inside an organelle called the mitochondria builds all of the energy for our body. It's called ATP, adenosine triphosphate. And it's a lovely system and it's wonderful because that's what energizes us in the morning. That's what makes us feel like we can go about our days normally, right? However, when we are in an environment that is signaling danger or we are undergoing an illness, we've caught a cold, something like that, our cells shift in their functionality. So those mitochondria will shift in their functionality and ATP now becomes a danger signaling molecule to the neighboring cells so the neighboring cells can all shift into this other like danger response, right? And it's a loop that oftentimes if you don't address that loop, that cell danger response loop, you can get stuck there. And what's really fascinating when you start uh, studying the cell danger response is you start to see where disease states set in. Phase one, phase two, and phase three, right? Of all of these different kinds of things. Well, with the mycotoxins and the mold illness, that is exactly what's happened. Your cells have gone into the cell danger response loop, but they've never finished the healing process and gotten all the way back around because that faucet is still on, right? So that's why it's so important that that faucet gets shut off or that we find the source of the mold so that we can remove it, remediate it, do whatever we need to do to get rid of it so our cells can finally complete that loop and finish the healing cycle so that different disease states don't set in. The other piece of this, though, which I find really fascinating, especially this year, because Sophie and I did some really cool training at the neurological level this year, is what can happen to the limbic system. So when you are living in an environment that you can't see what's making you really sick, that's going to make you a little paranoid. And I'm not getting judgy because I've been there. Being in that state can get us into a constant fear state, which is triggering the fight or flight, right? And it's not allowing the nervous system to shift over into parasympathetic so that we can get the healing pathways to kick off, right? So it's definitely one of those things that working with clients who have mold illness, this is a really important part of it, is giving them the tools necessary so that they can work with their nervous system to get their nervous system to be a lot more flexible. They can take a look at, you know, what did, what did we decide that the world was going to be around us? A lot of times when we have mold illness, we decide that buildings become unsafe. Yeah. Subconsciously, Subconsciously usually, right? It's, right? Not, like it's like, not something oh, that we're like telling everybody like, oh, that building's unsafe. That building's unsafe. That's not what's happening. But we're having those fears around going into certain environments because, well, what if there's mold? I can't see it. Right? Yeah. yeah. I think it, it's worth mentioning uh, because we've talked about so many different types of health complaints and and disorders and whatever diseases on this podcast, that could happen with a lot of things. Like it could be because mm -hmm. of mold, but it could also be, I think when people, you know, get a food sensitivity test and they have 75 foods they're sensitive to, and then they're afraid to eat, this can be triggered through multiple different exposures. So this is a huge, important part because as I, I mean, I was just recording another podcast an hour ago about how you cannot be in a place of healing if you are in fight or flight. And, you know, we learned no. that so deeply in FDN school and then even more intimately in our NLP training earlier this, this year. And it's a hundred percent true. And so I see people who almost try to attack quote unquote, 
their mold illness or whatever it is with the same type of fear-based mindset that kind of got people feeling not well in the first place. So it's really important to work on your limbic system and to get your, to learn the ways to get into parasympathetic and to it is flexible. Um, not to say you're never going to have fear ever again, or these things are going to come up, but at least you have those tools to help you process through. And, you know, you can kind of think about it in terms of, you know, we, we have an experience. This just happens the way human brains are wired. We have an experience and in that moment, we usually make a decision either about ourselves or about other people or about the world around us. Mm-hmm. And then we take that decision and that b- gets morphed into a belief. And then we operate as if all beliefs are true. That's just kind of how the brain works, right? So it's really important to work with somebody who understands these kinds of things because we can in that moment decide that my house is killing me. And in fact, Part of Rachel's story, it was fun because I was able to interview her on my podcast too to talk about her story with this whole thing and building biology and all that stuff. And so I'll give you the link for that episode and they can listen to it. But part of her story is she was literally having nightmares that her house was trying to kill her. Right. And so that was manifested from this fear state and fear response. So we not only did we end up doing the biology work, the biological work, and house remediation work, right? But there was definitely some repatterning of certain thoughts and the emotions that are associated with those thoughts and the actions that result as those thoughts, right? So what we don't want anybody to walk away from this thinking is like, oh my God, my house is going to kill me. I can't go anywhere. (laughs) No, that is not it. We want you to know that there are tools in place to empower you so that you can approach this from a state of having a team to help you through, like, what are the logistical steps that I need to take to reduce the overwhelm, but also to empower you so that you can move through this as if it's no big deal, right? I'm just going to the doctor for a checkup, or I'm just going to the DMV to renew. Well, okay, maybe that is a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, maybe that's not the best example of being at the DMV, but you get what it's like going to the grocery store to pick up groceries. Like we want this experience of going through mold to be as laissez-faire as that going to the grocery store and that is really what it means to work with the limbic system and work with the nervous system in such a way so this doesn't become something that keeps you sheltered for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. yes 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 it's so important it's so important and i know for me i mean until we really had that training in april i certainly didn't understand that that's kind of the opposite of how even my like functional medicine doctor approached my healing journey with IBS and with Hashimoto's and all these things is like, that's such a foundational core. And so it took me like all these years (laughs) to learn that. Mm -hmm. And now we can help people with that immediately. So it's not going to take them that long. It's just so important. Um, Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, is there anything that we didn't cover in in, in relation to mycotoxins, mold, limbic system, cell danger response? Maybe I mean, there is a lot to unpack there. We've done a lot, I feel like, in this podcast. This is a, this is a really good intro. Yeah. You know, I think really it's just, it's about becoming aware of it. Actually, here is one thing that we didn't cover. And I think it's important because people need to understand, like, why am I hearing so much about mold illness these days? And I think there's a couple reasons. One, we're becoming more aware that this is something that happens and that it's these mycotoxins can have such a detrimental effect. There's more and more research happening every single day. So we're all collectively having a little bit more awareness. 
Number two is climate change, right? So as we are getting a little bit warmer in the environment, and I'm I'm not amazed, but it's it's like only by a few degrees, right? So if we think about it, the temperature that mold likes to grow in is at a humidity greater than 50% and just a few degrees warmer than what we like to keep in our homes, right? Yeah, right. So if you're like keeping degrees. your home at 72, <laughs> yeah, mold loves 72, right? It's like, but if you're keeping your home at 64, it doesn't necessarily like 64. So what we're starting to see now with with climate change and the meteorological changes that are happening, we've got more intense storms, we've got more intense flooding going on, so water damage all over the place. Crazy. We've got more heat and more humidity happening in certain areas. So that's part of the reason. The other part too has to do with our building materials have changed significantly over the last several decades. And the composition of drywall for a single example has gone from something that mold doesn't like to grow on to something that mold thrives on, right? So the actual composition of the materials that are being used because we're trying to make them cheaper and Mm -hmm. easier to manufacture, et cetera, et cetera, we're actually making the situation worse with some of the building materials. So that all being said, it's not all doom and gloom, but this is why we're getting so much more awareness and why it's starting to affect so many other people. That's a really great point because I have a client recently, a VIP client who, um, which just means I work with them like pretty deep on like one-to-one and, and the NLP stuff and the emotional subconscious stuff, but also on their physical health. And um, she just bought a house like two years ago. And we were like trying to figure out why um, she had mold in our house. And I wonder, I wonder if that was it. Cause there was no significant like water damage that she knew of from this brand new house, mm-hmm. but that yeah. make a lot more sense. So yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we built a house. My husband and I built a house in 2016, 2017. And shortly thereafter, maybe a year later, the crawl space failed. And what we didn't recognize at the time was that the way that they lined the crawl space wasn't enough for the type of environment that we had with that house. So that house has a lot of groundwater. That's just how the geology works in that area. So we took special precautions to keep it away from the foundation. But the water that would come in, the moisture that would come in was more than the barrier could handle and the barrier failed. So then we started growing mold in the house. So, and I was just like, what new construction? What the heck? You know, blah, blah. But what it really turned out to be is like, oh, okay. So one building material was subpar for that situation. We remediated it. It wasn't super expensive. We got on top of it really quick. And then it's now it's a non-issue. Wow. That's incredible. Thanks for sharing that because that's a probably pretty big um, consideration, especially if you're building a new home to think about what are the materials that I'm using here. Um, And this is what Rachel specializes in actually is going through the construction process with, with somebody. So people who are building homes, she will go through that construction process with them to help them make choices in building materials and manufacturing or building techniques to reduce the I guess, risk or chance of mold to grow in that house. So that's something really cool about her. Yeah. Resource. I'll yeah. Have to get her information in the show notes. Oh my gosh. Thank you for bringing that up. That's a huge sure. question. Well, okay. So we know we're going to link your, your mold course uh, in there yep. with the option to do the testing. And then is there, I think there's a new opportunity for people to work with you too, in more of the, the vein of what we learned. Can you tell people about that before we wrap up? Sure. So there's a couple different things going on uh, in my neck of the woods. So 
I have built a group program that is centered all around the neurological reprogramming, subconscious reprogramming stuff, really digging into um, the beliefs and the fears and all of that stuff. So that's a group program that I have. It's called Deep Transformation. The next run of that is going to be in January of 2023. And then if somebody did want to do some of this work one-on-one, either in a specialized case or they've got certain intentions that they are trying to get or... you know, we can use this stuff on anything of like, why can't I be comfortable with my body? Or, you know, why, why can't I get past the fact that when I have a symptom, it doesn't necessarily mean that I've regressed 10 years to my healing protocol. Like that is a very common one that I hear. And we work on those kinds of things. And so they can work with me one on one. And that program is called the quantum boost. And that too is available. The link to it is available on the website. So yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, awesome. And where can people find you, Terea, online? They can find me in two, well, three major places. So my website is tereyarodriguez.com. And Sophie, Sophie will graciously put my, that link in the show notes because I know my name is difficult to spell. <laughs> we'll um, so at my website. And then uh, they can find me at my podcast, which is called the Wildly Optimized Wellness Podcast, as well as on Instagram. Nice. Awesome. I'm just writing this yeah. down so we don't forget all these amazing links, please go check out all of these amazing things. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and educating everybody about mold and cell danger response and limbic system. And just, it was a great podcast. I appreciate you so much in your time. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. All right, ladies. I hope this was helpful for you and you know how to get in touch with either of us and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye. I hope this episode got you one step closer to achieving your optimal health. If you liked this episode, please spend a few seconds to rate it so more women can find this resource. Be sure to tune in for more women's health support next week on the She Talks Health podcast. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at She Talks Health. I have an open door DM policy. No question is stupid and I'm always here for you.